from Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. Don't wait to be picked. If there's a client you want, a job you'd love to have, don't wait for that client to reach out to you or for a position to pop up rather on the website of, of the company where you wanna work. Find a way to reach out to those people, whether it's pitching a client for your business or if you're chasing a job to build relationships inside the company where you wanna be. Today on episode 37 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Mac Pritchard. Mac founded a job board, career hub, and public relations company following the end of his last job. Having sat on all sides as an employee, consultant, employer, and career guide, Mac has incredible experience and wisdom about what it takes to thrive in an uncertain business environment. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, or if you know someone who would, please get in touch with me via our website at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Mac Pritchard. Mac is the founder of MaxList, a job board and career hub in the Pacific Northwest with a mission to create more human hiring processes for all. Mac is also the author of the book, Land Your Dream Job Anywhere, and host of the weekly career advice podcast, Find Your Dream Job. Mac, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, David. It's an honor. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, I know you, you and I first met through my other show, Smashing the Plateau, sometime back. And you, you've, I know you've done remarkable work in your own sphere. And I'd love to actually start out this conversation by sharing a little bit about your own experience going from employment to entrepreneurship. Well, my story goes like this, David. I, I'm 61. I've been in the workplace now for 40 plus years. And if you count my time as a newspaper uh, delivery boy for the Des Moines Register. I've been working since age nine, but I was never self-employed. That happened after, like you, 28 years in the workplace. Uh, back in 07, I was working as a communications director on a grant-funded project uh, supported by a foundation in New Jersey, and the position was coming to an end. The person I worked for at the foundation approached me about uh, working for her directly as a consultant, in short, setting up my own company. And I had always resisted doing that throughout my career, but I knew because as a service to the community that I'd been sharing job postings in my field, that this was a very good opportunity. So I took the chance to start a public relations company, which I operate in addition to the job board, and it it continues to prosper and employs five people. And then along the way, I opened a second company, uh, maxlist.org, which is a job board uh, out here in the Pacific Northwest. And I've been doing it now for more than a decade, and it's been very rewarding and satisfying. Now, if your job hadn't come to an end, do you think you would have preferred to have stayed on as an employee and always be an employee? That was my plan. I did not see myself as an entrepreneur. And Here's the funny thing that happened, though, David. I had worked in politics, communications, and government for many years. I, before working for this nonprofit, I'd been a speechwriter for a governor here in Oregon. I'd also served as city hall communications director for a mayoral candidate in Portland, Oregon, and worked in politics and government in Boston 
and Washington, D.C. as well. Along the way, I was a staffer or a volunteer on more than a dozen campaigns, uh, electoral campaigns. So while I was setting up my business, I thought as I found an office, created systems, hired staff or found vendors, I thought it seems so familiar. And I realized it was a lot like running a political campaign. Uh, if you think about it, David, if you're working on a political campaign, whatever your party, there's a product, it's the candidate. And you know, on election day, when the polls close, whether you got a sale or not, but before you get to that point, you've got to raise money. You've got to create systems, hire a team, measure your progress. And they're all the steps that any business owner or nonprofit executive director goes through. And so I knew how to do that. I just never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. But once I started doing those things, I, uh, a light bulb went off. And once the light bulb went off, how did it feel? It felt familiar. I, I felt comfortable. I, it gave me confidence. And I would say to a listener who might think, well, I've never worked on a political campaign. I, I don't think that experience might be relevant to me. The most successful people I see, no matter how large the corporation or company that might employ them, they are entrepreneurs. They're thinking about their career. They're thinking about the goals that they're going to set for themselves, uh, how they're going to achieve them. They recognize that they just don't sit and wait to be told what to do. They create a strategy for accomplishing not only their personal career goals, but the goals of the organization where they work. In other words, they take charge. And that's what good entrepreneurs do. And I think even the people who haven't run their own company or their own nonprofit, if they've been successful in their career, they have those skills. They just, like I had to do, realize that they're transferable and the light bulb will go off for them too. Right. So the bottom line is be proactive rather than reactive. Exactly. Don't wait to be told what to do. And people who have good careers, even if they stay with the same company for several decades, they either do this instinctively or they do it deliberately. They, they set goals. They know where they want to be in three, five, 10 years, and they figure out what it's going to take for them to get there. And, and business owners do the same thing. Now, Mac, how have you found that taking charge or being proactive can either work with or work against rapid change or um, seeming chaos that's going on on the outside? Like you, you may want to take charge and ha you may have certain strategies or certain plans that you want to try to implement, but there are forces going on around us all the time, whether we're an employee or an entrepreneur, that may make it either easier or perhaps way more challenging to try to implement some of those strategies? It's a great question, particularly because we're recording this in March of 2020 in the middle of the COVID-19 uh, crisis. Much of my work in communications and politics and government, David, was in crisis communications and situations where things were going dreadfully wrong. And I did this for elected officials. I also did it for public agencies. And I found that when there were problems, perhaps budgets were being cut, people had made mistakes, there was an opportunity to identify what the problem was and be part of the, of the team or maybe even the leader who solves it. And once you 
recognize in an organization that is in a crisis situation what that problem is, and you've got leadership that focuses on the solution, it's a situation where you can make a difference. And I would say in an economy where events are moving rapidly, um, companies might be closing, laying off people, there are still problems that have to be solved. And so the people who will thrive in this world are the ones who will work with the leadership of a company or uh, find customers who have problems that still need to be solved, listen to what those needs are, and then bring solutions to people to fix them. And they, they'll get paid to do it. So let's talk a little bit about that, Mac, from what you're seeing yourself as an entrepreneur and also what you're seeing with the people that are part of your job board, who I suspect that right now there's probably a decrease in jobs being posted and an increase in numbers of people that are out of work. What are you seeing as some of the possibilities that can help people, particularly those that have expertise like you have, that are either desiring to or needing to move from employment to entrepreneurship? I think for people who are interested in, in, in entrepreneurship uh, and exploring that, this is a good time to consider starting perhaps a side business. And I think what you need to think about are what are the problems that you might solve and what skills do you offer to help fix those problems. Sometimes people think they've got to go 100% into entrepreneurship and go out and rent a space, uh, an office or uh, a store and put all their life savings into an enterprise. And that's like putting all your chips as a gambler on one color. Uh, it might pay off, but you're facing pretty formidable odds. It's better, I think, David, to take a gradual approach. And in fact, that's what I did back in 07 when my grant-funded job was coming to an end at the nonprofit. I didn't sign up to be a full-time entrepreneur. I said to the funder who offered me a consulting contract, how about this? I'd like to spend the next 18 months wrapping up my work at the nonprofit and spend the other half of my time working with you. And that gave me the opportunity to get my sea legs, figure out what it was going to take to be successful as an entrepreneur, and then also have the security of a regular paycheck and the opportunity at the end of 18 months to say, this isn't working. I think I'll just focus on full-time employment. Right. So, so your advice is, if you can, avoid the, the all-or-nothing route. It is, David. And I think for people who may be facing unemployment, when you have unemployment benefits, there is some security that that provides that gives you the chance to uh, explore uh, starting a side business that perhaps you can grow into a full-time enterprise over time. It takes time to do that. And finding ways to juggle multiple priorities, I think, are going to help you be more successful in the end. Mm -hmm. Now, for those folks that have lost a job and, and are on, on unemployment, depending upon what your compensation level was and what your personal expenses are, unemployment may only provide a fraction of what you need to cover your bills. So folks may be a little more anxious or more desperate to get new income in faster rather than slower. 
What have you seen for people that really need to ramp up quickly? It's a good point because most unemployment uh, benefits might provide 40 to 50% of the salary that you've lost. So that's a, it's, it's a safety net, but it's, it's not a replacement. I think what works well is if you're exiting a business, sometimes there's an opportunity to negotiate a consulting contract or a project, something that might have a duration of a, a month or two months, and that allows you to supplement your unemployment benefits. I think, so looking for those projects uh, can be very helpful. And I think it's better, the other opportunity to consider is, is doing temporary staffing work uh, in addition to starting a side business. There's a dignity that comes with work, even if it's work uh, you're grossly overqualified for that might not pay only a fraction of what you earned in the past, but again, allows you to continue to pay your bills and and get those sea legs that are going to help you grow a, a side business, perhaps into a full-time company. Yeah. So the other thing I'm hearing you say, Mac, is that if you need to make a decision quickly just to keep the lights on in, in your own family then trying to think of something that you look at as being of temporary duration is an important frame to use. You're making a great point here, David, because sometimes, and I was guilty of this several times early in my career, my pride got in the way of me saying yes to temporary work. I'm embarrassed to share this, but I thought, well, gosh, I've got all these fancy degrees. I, I shouldn't be working as a file clerk. Uh, but I found when I did take temporary staffing jobs that having the routine, being around people, and even perhaps even more importantly, being able to pay my bills brought uh, a relief and re- a reduction in, in that huge pressure that comes with unemployment. But also having a plan. It, you, you don't want to feel that you're going to be doing that forever. But that kind of work is just a means to an end. So having that plan and knowing where you want to go or at least what you want to explore, I think, is vital. Yeah, I've also found that having something, even if it's temporary, gives you the mental space to make a make a better and more sound plan. I agree. And I, there's sometimes it's you just got to get out of the house and you just don't want to get too much into your own skin. So when you're 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 working even if it's entry level work if it's paying the bills you're being around people those are benefits that are you know are incalculable so let's actually talk about this getting out of the house piece because uh, right now as of the date that we're recording this most people are being ordered to stay home unless you're in some kind of essential service which i'm noticing for people that are not used to working remotely is a big challenge, whether they're currently employed, currently in their own business, or they're looking to make connections that will lead to revenue. I'm finding for a lot of folks, it's a huge challenge. What are you seeing? I think it's, it is a big challenge, particularly for older workers who are accustomed to the routine of going to an office and, and being in a workplace with others. I think it's less of a challenge for millennials and generation Z, but I think that there has been a shift in the last five or 10 years among all age groups. So much of our work is being done after, before nine and after five. So those remote work muscles are there. 
obviously they're being fully flexed now. I think for people who are looking for work, perhaps after a layoff, there are opportunities out there, sites like Flex Jobs, and and many companies are looking for remote workers. So you've got to focus on that in the short term. And you're going to have to learn new habits too about uh, virtual work. Yeah. So Mac, one of the other things that you and I have in common, given the fact that we've been in the work, the working world for a long time, is that we've seen our share of challenges in the in the economy, in um, the world political situation. Currently, there's a world health crisis. What reflections do you have about managing to get through what seem like almost insurmountable odds? I think having that experience is a huge asset. And sharing that perspective with others who might not have had that experience can be helpful. You don't want to be Pollyannish, obviously. You've got to recognize the risks and the consequences of events that are happening, but it reinforces the need to to not only have perspective, but to have a plan. So when you're reflecting on that concern, it, it makes it even more important to, to think about, well, what are you going to do about it? And so I think talking to people who've been through severe recessions in the past is is helpful. Uh, but I think uh, in the end, it's the actions that you're going to take to either make the most of the, the job you have or think about starting your own business or finding that next job that are going to make the difference. Yeah, good advice. And Mac, now in your own businesses, who are your ideal clients for the different kinds of businesses you run? For maxlist.org, we serve employers and job seekers in the Pacific Northwest in Oregon and Washington State. And our our businesses are typically small or medium-sized enterprises usually with 50 or fewer employers. We do have some larger employers with less than 500 employees. Uh, And for them, David, hiring is not a frequent event. It's something that might be done several times a year. And so in addition to providing them with job listings that get their positions in front of people across the region, uh, we also provide free advice about how to do hiring better. And for job seekers who... Are, live out in this part of the country. Uh, we provide free articles, uh, podcast episodes, and guides about job hunting, how to get good at job hunting as a skill. Because most people think that the way you find a job is to look at job boards like mine, and, and you should. There are tens of thousands of great job boards out there. But most jobs, no one knows exactly how many, their estimates between 40 to 80% are filled through word of mouth, through referrals. So the the job seekers who get good at networking and understanding how referrals work are the ones who are going to hear about the best jobs and find the jobs that are going to give them the most satisfaction. So we we serve white collar educated professionals in uh, Oregon and Washington in our job board, but our content is useful to people all around the world. Our podcast, for example, twenty five percent of the downloads are outside of the United States and eighty five percent are outside of uh, the Pacific Northwest because the job hunting skills are, are universal and applicable wherever you might live. Yeah. So if, if word of mouth contact is the most important method for making the connection between the job seeker and the, the job provider, how does that dovetail with the actual, the work that you do in the business that you run? In a number of ways, because our mission is to make 
hiring more humane and to help people find jobs that matter. And so we, by providing content that lets job seekers get better at looking for work, they're able to focus on the listings on our site and other sites as well that are most relevant. Too many people use a scattershot approach, David. They think that the most successful way to run a job search is to send out lots and lots of applications. What we see is the people who get the jobs that give them the most satisfaction and the most financial success are the folks who are clear about what they want and actually apply for very few positions. For example, I interviewed someone on our our show, uh, our podcast uh, the other week. She did 125 informational interviews and she found a job she loves. And I asked her, how many jobs did you actually apply for? She said seven or eight. Most people do exactly the opposite. They apply for 125 jobs and they might have two or three, maybe 10 conversations uh, or informational interviews. And they get frustrated because they don't hear back from employers. I think a key, another key to a successful job search and a satisfying career is being clear about what you want. Too many people are uncertain about their goals. And so they apply for all kinds of positions. And they, again, they get frustrated because they don't hear back. I encourage job seekers to, to invest time up front in getting clear about what it is you want. And it, it may be in these uncertain times, what you need right now is a paycheck. That's okay. Be clear about that and go to employers who are looking for temporary workers or short-term workers, but also invest the time to be clear about where you want to go next professionally in your career so you can continue to do a job search on the side. That makes uh, makes perfect sense. Mac, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything that we've discussed today or learn more from you, access any of these great resources that you have on your site, where would they go? Visit our website, maxlist.org. We also have a podcast, Find Your Dream Job. We publish every Wednesday. Every week, I talk to a different career expert about the nuts and bolts of job hunting. And you can find that show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website, maxlist.org slash podcasts. Mac, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Going Solo and share your insights. Um, You certainly are a wealth of all kinds of information on how to connect, whether it's for employment purposes, entrepreneurship purposes, or or anything else to, to really do meaningful work and get paid what you're worth. You're, um, you're a great source of information. My guest today has been the managing director of Max List, Mac Pritchard. Thank you again, Mac, for joining us. Thank you for having me, David. When you visit the Going Solo website at smashingtheplateau.com slash going solo, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to thrive in an uncertain business environment and much more. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, or if you know someone who would, please get in touch with me via our website at smashingtheplateau.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode. 